Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started gabriel is the founder and ceo of tutri his expertise lies at the intersection of creativity and technology which has inspired tutri a tech company that gives creators more time to create In the interview Gabriel shares his background in the creative event industry and how that uniquely positions him to tackle the challenges in booking creative spaces. He shares how as an entrepreneur it is okay to drop some balls as long as he is aware of the one the one most important thing that needs to happen every day. Hi Gabriel and welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Same. It's a pleasure to have you here. And can you start by sharing a little bit of who you are and what's your backstory? Yeah, I am the founder of Tutti, which you can very clearly see there. We are essentially Airbnb for creative spaces. We help people find and book amazing spaces for film shoots, photo shoots, rehearsals, recordings, launches, anything creative. And our spaces include churches, theaters, studios, homes, all sorts of amazing spaces. castles even we had a castle this recently anyways my background is the creative industries it's how i got into this my family have been musicians for generations i studied film i studied programming and i've worked in theater photography and events across all the disciplines of creative work that i did everyone struggled to find the right space for them because there were no good search systems people relied on networks so i went i had the desire to build a good search system and a good booking system for creative spaces and i have done that and now we're evolving the company but we can get into that a bit later absolutely thank you for sharing that can you share a bit more about that background in the creative spaces that you mentioned and how that shapes your views on entrepreneurship but also on, on life how you see things yeah so actually that's an interesting point so when i was in university i was studying film uh and then at one point i was overlapping my film degree and my programming degree and 
at the same time, I had a job throughout all of university, which was TechCrew. And TechCrew is basically audio engineering, lighting design, and general stage management, stage design and everything for every event on campus. So I was getting involved in supporting every event on campus. These events ranged from two speakers and a mic with like a small club speaking for 10 people, all the way through to massive 5,000 person events that we, I set up sound and lights for Macklemore, Maroon 5, Snoop Dogg, Bob Dylan, like some massive artists who came through our university. So I saw the spectrum of building events. Like one, that adds to my knowledge for Tutti because I'm able to see people using our spaces and I understand how organizing that event works. And I have been there. I have done most of the jobs of organizing an event so I can empathize with them. But at the same time, I have programming skills. Well, not very good ones. I have understandings of programming and I'm able to come up with how we could build technology in an interesting way that would absolutely fit the needs of the people who are making events happen. So that's already a very interesting insight, especially because not only did I run events, I worked in film, I worked in photography, I worked in theater. All of those things are nuanced and different, but they have so many overlaps and very few people see all those overlaps because they focus on one and they're really good at that one and they do that one thing. I'm a generalist. I could never get really good at one of those things. So I did a bit of each. So that's very interesting, that combination. And then my experience with TechCrew, everything with TechCrew, it was an incredible job. They trained me on how to run events from learning about at the very beginning and how to set up one microphone all the way through to running my own event, managing a team of 50. And they trained me all the way through. And the main lesson that they trained was effective troubleshooting, which is... Mm. When you are speaking into a microphone, it, you can just think of it, you are putting energy into a microphone and that energy goes down the cable and it goes all the way through the systems and eventually comes out the speakers. And their way of troubleshooting that was you literally just follow the chain down. You check every single point down that road and you eventually get to the speakers or whatever problem might be causing an issue. And that level of troubleshooting, I can apply to everything. And I've applied it across all my work ever since. It's like, I look at how the the energy travels all the way through. Like, how do people come and use the site? And what do they click on? And what flow do they go down? And how do they get to where we need to get them to? And it's just, it's very methodical, but very interesting. And yeah, that all came from my background in, in events. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's wonderful how you apply that skill in business, in entrepreneurship, of its fixing problems. It's wonderful to hear that. So when did you start Tuti? Officially, I came up with the idea around 2015, 2016. I had no idea how to start a company. I spent a year and a half trying to figure out how to on my own and got nowhere. Spent a lot of time in my bedroom <laughs> playing with ideas. I did talk to some customers, but then I got into an incubator called Founder Institute which is based out of Silicon Valley, but they have chapters all around the world. And they teach you how to start a business in three months. And they got me kind of slightly mm -hmm. off the ground. 
And then we launched our MVP on Halloween of 2018. So, yep, we had a no-code MVP 2018 through to early 2020, and it was starting to grow. And then the pandemic hit, and we deal with in-person spaces. So obviously yeah. we stopped. But a lot of people told us to pivot to online. Mm -hmm. and we would like, no, we believe that events are coming back. So we're going to keep at it. And we spent the next 11 months building technology during the pandemic for in-person events. <laughs> yeah. So you continued with your vision, even though like there was no events happening or no revenue coming in for you. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And how does that creative background like help you deal with surprises or deal with setbacks or deal with like these, these things which are very common in entrepreneurship as well, right? You never know what tomorrow will bring. Does yeah. that create, make it easier or how, how do you think about that? I'm not sure if it makes it easier. I was always, because of tech crew, mostly more than anything else, I was always taught to think on my feet because mm -hmm. you never know what someone is going to come and throw at you. Very often people will ask things at like ahead of time for an event and then show up and expect something completely different. And you have to be ready to adapt, either tell them no in the politest possible way, or if you can achieve it, find a way to achieve it affordably. Yeah. And quickly. And yeah, so that adaptability and agility has been built into the business. So we, it's, I think there's a phrase that VCs like to use is that founders should have strong conviction loosely held. So you should absolutely know what path you're going down. But if some new information comes to light that makes that path not the right one, you should be ready to change and be absolutely convinced that you're going down another path a day later. And yeah, we're, we are like that. I know what the end goal for Tutti is. Like I have a vision for 10, 20 years in the future. But how we get there is not roadmapped at all. Mm. I, I mean, it is roadmapped, but it, I know that it's going to change because the original roadmap for Tutti, I was like, this is exactly how we're going to get here. None yeah. of that happened the way we expected yeah. it to. Can you expand on that 10 to 20 year vision? Yeah, well, we have a simple mission. We want to give creators more time to create. That's it. And the reason that... We want, or the way that we're able to, we'll, we will be able to do that is by building amazing technology for the creative industries that automates or simplifies their admin. Basically, creators, they get into the creative industries to create, not to do admin, but they spend anywhere between 40 and 80% of their time on admin because in order to create, you have to apply mm -hmm. to competitions, you have to you have to build your careers. You have to email loads of people. You have to like build your social following. You have to grow and grow and grow. You have to book spaces to do your rehearsals and your recordings and your film shoots. There are so many bits and pieces to building a creative career that requires a lot of admin. And right now, most of the ways of doing that are like spreadsheets, Google Calendar, email, WhatsApp, it's all on horizontal platforms that are just used, generic platforms that are used for everything. But because there's no real very good technology for the creative industries, creators use the generic stuff and copy things between them and mix and match them in ways that they 
aren't designed to be mixed and matched. So given my background, I'm built, I'm like the perfect founder to build vertical focused software for this industry, for the creative industries. And the creative industries is massive. In 2013, worldwide, it was worth $2.2 trillion. In 2025, it's expected that a portion of the creative industries is going to spend $2.6 trillion on productions in the globally. And that's spend, that's not GMV or GBA. But yeah, that it's ridiculous how massive it is. And it's been around for hundreds of years. It's not going anywhere anytime soon, no matter how much AI disrupts it. Like AI can help it, but yeah, it's not going away. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And in fact, for having that vision, right? Because I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and it's very rare for somebody to have a 10 to 20 year vision. Normally people speak about like one year to three years, maybe five years, but but I think it's rare and it also gives you that meaning and purpose to, as you said, right, to find your way and or adapt your way or to figure out how, as long as you're clear on the way and the why. Yeah. 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 So what are some of those milestones in the near short term future, let's say one to three years? Yeah. So what we started with in 2018 was Airbnb for creative space. That's simply it. It's a marketplace. People can find and book spaces on it. And we actually started just music rehearsal, but then we expanded quite quickly because that was too niche. So creative space can be, as I said earlier, anything creative. So the main difference between us and other space marketplaces is other places normally do corporate hires, weddings, parties, that sort of thing. We don't do that. We're dealing with creative professionals mostly. So we've been used by the BBC and ITV and a couple other large companies to do interview shoots. Cardo, Crack and Rum, a couple other brands like that have used our studios for like photography and video shoots for ads. We've had a bunch of independent artists. We like use places for music video shoots. And then, yeah, people use it for social content as well. But generally the people using our spaces are doing it for a professional reason. So it's a lot less of a hassle than people who are coming to get raised on <laughs> for a wedding or a party. So yeah, that's what we started with. Over the last few years, we've worked with hundreds of venues. We've facilitated, well, we've been involved in thousands of bookings. And what we learned over time is that the venues themselves also have the same problem that all creative people have, which is there's almost no software to run their venues. There is instant booking software out there that is fine that some of them use, but creative bookings, almost every single one is different. And they have so many different complexities that are like, but they have so many different complexities. Like they have like a film crew might need catering and that adds an, another additional cost or they might need, if they're doing a recording, they might need an engineer additional cost. So there's loads and loads of little things that can be added on to all these bookings that can then require additional costs. So the way we're building our system is to be adaptable for every different inquiry. And you can yeah, edit costs, edit times, all sorts of things very quickly within Tutti. While we were building our marketplace, we realized that our venues don't have any systems behind them like that. So they do everything on spreadsheets, calendar, email, WhatsApp. 
and our tech, even though we we have almost we have tiny amounts of funding compared to some of our competitors, our tech because it's built with such a good understanding of the industry was one of the best out there. And so we started pitching them the idea of we build software for all of their bookings, not just the ones on. So the next step that we're building now, which we built about 60% of already is software for our venues to run all inquiries, no matter where it comes from, whether it comes from Tutti marketplace, other marketplaces, socials, website, Google, phone call, whatever that's currently happening. And then in the next, next two to three years, we will grow out the marketplace. So people will help, will find not just spaces, but also potentially equipment and people and suppliers within the sector. That's next one to three years. That's from a tech perspective, from a locale perspective, we're still just London based. We're starting to expand across the UK, but we're, we're still a tiny team. So that's slow. We would love to expand outside the UK in the next two years. Yeah. And as you realize this vision, right, this is all external. You're also building an organization. So what are some of those biggest challenges that you see for yourself as a founder leader, as you create an organization, which actually creates all of this, right? Yeah. Well, I've never properly hired anyone other than the people who I've hired through Tutti. So that's an experience of itself. Like everyone is like the first few hires are the people who will define your culture. No pressure. And then there's, so there's hiring, there's making sure that I balance support of the company and the people in the company with everything else that I do. I'm already, we've hired a number of people who are part-time recently, and I'm already aware that they're waiting on me for feedback on their stuff while we're training them, while they're in training loop. And once they're out of the training loop, they'll be able to run by themselves. But I still need to kind of feedback to them. And I have 101 things going on separate to that. So they're cautious to message me. And I'm like, please just remind me, I do forget things all the time. That's another thing, organization. So I do have, I have to-do lists and they are a mess and I never get through them properly. I don't have enough personal infrastructure on to-dos yet. I'm still working on how to do them. I have loads of different systems that people have suggested. None of them have really worked for me. So I need to figure that out really quickly. I'm not sure where that's going to go. But one thing that I found really interesting that a couple other founders told me, the moment that they raised more than a million, they went and hired an executive assistant who helped with all of that. And there's these amazing services out there that find and train executive assistants for young CEOs. So that will probably be a fairly early hire once we raise a seed round. Because, yeah, we, <laughs> my ability to self-manage my own calendar is a mess. What else? Yeah, it's mostly hires. Hires and how I effectively manage the people around me. How do you deal with that pressure or deal with that overwhelm of right too many things or too many balls to juggle i've made it a subconscious decision in my head that it is okay to drop balls like it is okay if all the plates that i'm spinning something something falls to the wayside yeah it sucks i try and make sure it doesn't happen but there's no way to make sure that 
it doesn't happen because it'll happen. There's too many things going on. I know what the three key things I need to be doing at any one moment are. And I make sure that those progress almost every day. Normally I, I try and do one main thing a day and then have the other things filter around me. I need to get better at prioritizing that one thing rather than prioritizing the small things and then not having space for the one thing. I forgive myself, basically. I forgive myself if things fall to the wayside. It sucks and I try to make sure that things don't, but I mm -hmm. also don't put too much. I don't blame myself too much. Mm -hmm. Things do fall to the wayside. And there's a great founder called Dan Murray Serta, who he runs his own podcast and talks a lot about mental health for startups. And he says one of the most important things is to forgive yourself and move on and be okay with feeling like you're failing. But like, it's okay to feel that you just have to forgive yourself in that. I'm probably paraphrasing very badly. So people should go check his stuff out instead. But that's the message I took away. And I, yeah, I forgive myself. I don't put too much weight on the fact that I've failed at doing everything. And yeah, it works. I do the two things that I do to make sure that my mental health stays high up. I actually a few things. One, I try and get eight hours sleep every night. At least mm -hmm. I try and go to bed 10 to 11 ish and then wake up at a decent time. And sometimes it's, it shifts by a couple hours, but I never go to bed. I used to go to bed at 2, 3 a.m. I haven't done that in years now. I eat, try and eat three meals a day at regular times. And then something that is really hard for most people to do, but it was really easy for me, was give up alcohol. So I stopped drinking alcohol in November. Um, I'm a 1% drinker, so I'll drink at special occasions. Those are the main things that I do to try and stay happy and stay focused. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think what you shared about forgiveness is something so simple, but yet it can make the journey very lighter. And it's also very practical, right? You can do it in the moment. Yeah. When, because we all, especially high performers or especially entrepreneurs, we all have this habit of judging ourselves or being self-critical more than we need to be. And then forgiveness can often basically counter that and allow you to be lighter, which actually allows you to do or deal with whatever that you're dealing with better yeah. than with that harsh criticism that is often un uncalled for. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Also the simple like focus on good nutrition, good food, and then sleeping. Yeah. I think nothing nothing beats that. So thank you for sharing that. What creative act do you do apart from running a business? How does that still play a role in your life? I absolutely love content. I consume it like no other. That's something I was going to say that the in the habits. So many business people are like, read as much about business as you can and listen to podcasts about as much business as you can. I simply don't have the headspace. I spend all my time thinking about my work. If I'm in my downtime, also listening to business podcasts or reading business books, I'm not turning off. So at one point, I think two years ago, I just kind of made the decision that actually, you know what, when I'm traveling and I on the tube and it's like a short enough tube journey that I, it doesn't make sense to pull out my laptop and work or my brain isn't with it. I'm not going to go and listen to a business podcast. I'm going to go watch a movie or something. And I watch 
loads of Netflix and Disney all the time. My partner and I, we absolutely love like detective shows and like mystery shows and drama. And we get through those quickly. We normally watch almost every night when mm -hmm. we're together. So yeah, I love to consume the content put out by creativity all the time. And often it inspires new thoughts because I'm like, I'm building for the sector. Oh, look, I recognize. Actually, I've now started recognizing locations that we have listed on Tutti, which is quite cool in TV shows on, what was it? There was one on BBC and one on Netflix. And I was like, I know that location. We have that listed. So yeah, there's, I don't put too much pressure on myself to do, to listen to too many business podcasts or read too many business books. I turn that time towards the, I would use that time towards consuming creativity and learning what creativity there is out there. So. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I loved how you connected it with like your mind being busy for most of the day and then doing something which releases that pressure or releases that or calms that mind. But then also, right, you get new ideas from it. I, in, in many ways, it's similar to, right, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs. I often recommend them sitting in silence or meditation. And it's the same thing, right? You mind is so used to running that it gives you that break. And when the mind slows down, it can have insights, which you can never have by thinking, right? Yes. You can't brute force your way into creativity. And I think that's what you are reflecting right through, through your yeah. practice. Yeah. So thank you. Well, taking baths is very good for that too. And <laughs> just being completely <laughs> still. Yeah. Yeah. Also good ideas in the Sharon bath. Perfect. Perfect. So I think before we wrap up, right, what advice would you give to somebody like who is a founder, who is a leader? But it takes that like a, because I think you have a creative background, but a lot of founders or entrepreneurs are either from the technology background or a mix of tech and business, right? And they tend to see everything as a problem or tend to say that like, I have to make every second productive. What advice would you give to somebody like that, especially from your creative background and how can they make the journey easier? Well, I would get the thought out of your head that you need to make every second productive because you don't. If you have that much pressure on yourself, then it's going to be a hard time and you are going to burn out unless you are Elon Musk, which most people are not. I don't know. There's a lot of inspiration out in the world if you get your head up out of the work. I don't do this enough, but there's like when I travel around London, when I walk around London, just kind of look around and take in the mm -hmm. world don't have to listen to the world. I have headphones on, but they'll just play music. And I look at the world and I look at how people do things and I recognize patterns and I uh, see opportunities and see interesting insights that if I was head down in my work all the time, I would not. So there's that. And then there's a, I can't remember exactly what study it is or which founder I introduced me to this concept but there's a concept of one percent improvement like day over day yeah if you look at how one percent improvement day on day compounds over time then like you don't have to make every second productive if you're able to move your company forward with a decision or a new tweak to the website or like a new training, a new employee or like someone 
someone new finding out, out about your company, something like that, every single day or years, you're going to make, you're going to look back a few years and be like, wow, I have come so damn far. So when I'm trying to figure out, yeah, my, how to be productive myself or when I was struggling at forgiving myself for not being productive enough, I eventually managed to draw into my head this 1% idea and I do my absolute best to make sure that every day, not seven days a week, five days a week, maybe average on six days a week, that I'm moving the company forward in some small way. And yeah, some days you won't be able to tell yourself why or how you did that. That's okay. Everyone has those days. But if you are, if you can look back a month previously or a few months previously and be like, oh, we were having those problems a couple months ago. We figured those out now. One thing I don't actually do, but I probably should is journaling and talking about the telling myself about the problems I'm experiencing at a time so that in a couple months I can look back and be like, oh, we fixed those. Then, yeah, there's, I think that's a much better way of living and building a company and not burning out. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I, I think again, once again, very practical and very easy to miss like advice. Like I, I am a big reader of books and I don't know how many books I have read just by reading five to 10 minutes in between meetings or when I'm busy waiting for something or somebody. And we don't normally see those five or 10 minutes like breaks as something. But if you can like just learn something, get 1% better, even 0.5% better. And then you do that repeatedly over a period of years, you, you, will, you have no idea how big like, like a progress you can make personally in, in the level of your individual skills. But when you're working with a team, on the level of team, on the level of a business, on the level of an organization. And I think that's what you're pointing towards. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. Right? No and, yeah. Anybody, so anybody who is listening, right, who wants to find out more about you, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? Well, I don't mind being emailed. So my email is gabrieltutti.space, T-U-T-T-I dot space. And then my LinkedIn, I try and post interesting insights on it because... Yeah, I have learned a hell of a lot over the last four years. So I try and share those insights. Unfortunately, no one can write them except me because they're in my head. So I can't ask ChatGPT to go and write up <laughs> loads of content. So they do take a long time for me. And I don't always prioritize them because writing on LinkedIn is not quite the same as going and talking to customers and building a good product. But when I do try and when I do write them, then I think people find them generally quite interesting. So follow me on LinkedIn. Those are the main places. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Gabriel, for sharing that. I will make sure to include those links in the show notes when the episode is out. And as we finish, I want to wish you all the best for your organization and also for bringing your unique like set of skills to creating something in the world, which is, as you said, much, much, much needed. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? 
And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.